amazing to be here on this Sunday and uh, to be together with you. Um, it's important. I want you to think about something I said earlier. Somebody once said, you know, Pastor Cox, I, I highly respect him. And I'm, he really, really is such a mentor and I appreciate him. What he said about hunger. Our desire is always evident from the pursuit, right? Whatever we pursue with the greatest hunger is relevant to our desire. I'm consumed with this place the Lord's brought me to. Just look at your neighbor and tell them, just say no. That's K-N-O-W. There's a passage over the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, that says, Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Paul said it like this, and I, I've often said, I want, I want to know, Holy Spirit, teach me what that means. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may be filled, speaking to the church at Ephesus and to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that you may be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding in the knowledge, no, gnosko. It means to perceive. It means to understand. It means that you, it's not about here's, uh, because it is here, but it's also here. It's a deeper relative knowing that becomes part of us. And, and uh, when Paul said that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what is the exceeding riches of, the, of his glory of the inheritance and the saints and what is the greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named not only in this world but in the world to come and given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body. Come on, that's us. The fullness of him that feels all in all. I'm telling you that we've lived lives and I've lived a life that's exhausting. Because I thought I needed to measure up to the standard so that God would love me. No, he loved me and you before the foundation of the world. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Now, I want to take you over to John 14, 20. We're going to start there. Jesus is. And I want to ask you to consider what this means. To just consider what this means. Jesus said to his disciples, in that day, now we're going back to verse 15 in a moment, but let's look at verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and that you are in the translation, the, the passion says one with me, that's union, but the, the, the literal translation says that you are in me. For I will be living in you. Hence, Jesus wanted to hold your hand, but he needed me to do it. Now, how many believe, I want you to think about this. Do you think that Jesus needed five loaves and two fish to feed the masses? Do you think that he needed servants to fill the water pots to turn the water into wine? Well, he's sitting on the shore after the resurrection and the, the disciples are fishing. You know the story in John 21 where he, he says, come in and let's eat. And there's bread and fish. Where, where did he get that? There's no servant. There's no boy with the, uh, there's no, there's nobody but him. 
But here's my point. The, the, the shepherd wants to show us the goodness of the Father, but he refuses to do it without human participation. He wants to show us the goodness of the Father. Remember, Philip comes to Jesus and said, show us the Father. Show us what He's like. Because Jesus already said, if, if you've seen me, he said, he said, the words that I speak, they're not my words. The words I heard my Father say. The w- works that I'm doing are the works that my Father, I saw Him doing. Now, I want to take you on this path and this journey. I'm telling you, there's so much freedom in this. There, there, I mean, it's gooder news than we thought. Excuse my. Somebody sent me, it was Bridget. She sent me a little video. Well, Deborah had got it. Of one of those chickens that's got, looks like a headdress. And it's looking around and. And then the voice comes on and says, what did the ocean say to the beach? And the chicken says, nothing. It just waved. This is a dad joke, okay? But but I, I said that to tell you that we are so... Much of a treasure to the Father. When He created man, He he gave him a choice because that's what love does. A robot don't have choices. If He had not put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, it it wouldn't have been love. They would have had no choice. But somebody said, well, God wanted relationship. He, He was lonely. No, no. God was never lonely. It's Father, Son, and Spirit in the perichoresis and the circle of love. Totally giving themselves to one another without the loss of self. That's what that kind of love represents. Totally giving each other to one another. The Father's in the Son. The Son's in the Father. The Holy Spirit is the anointing upon them and and the Spirit of God. And you understand that the Holy Spirit is there. So if Jesus... Let me ask you, where was God when Jesus was on the cross? I know we've been taught that he turned his back because he can't look on sin. Well, that's wrong. Because in John 8, the Pharisees bring a woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. Now, if Jesus told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Who's looking at the woman? The Father. I, I want to present to you this thought of knowing. He came into our darkness as human. There was a message preached years ago, and I won't call the name, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You've probably heard that title. I want to pose to you this statement. It was God in the hands of angry sinners. Come on now. Come on now. They so hated. Come on, somebody. You with me? He comes into our darkness as God in the flesh. I want to take you back. Let's go. Let's read some more verses. In that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father and that you are in me and I'm in you. So that word know, gnosko, to learn to know, to perceive, it, it means to understand. John 14, 15, Jesus said, and John 4, let me go there. Hang with me. This is better than butter beans, and I like butter beans, right? I will ask the Father, 
Verse 16, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. That word commands is not the English word. The English word is placed there. And the Greek, how many know Jesus didn't speak Greek? He spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. And this word command is in toli. It means to draw out. Do you believe he's been with you since the beginning of, since before you were born? He intended, his intention was to be with you. Whether you acknowledge it or not, we can't even inhale without him. Because everything was created by him and for him and by him all things consist. That means every step I take is because he's okay with it. It means every time I inhale that it's Christological breath. Come on, you understand that, that my living is a testament to the creator who, who created us in his image. And Jesus said, I'll ask the father, he'll give you another Comforter, Savior, is what Redeemer from the curse. The Holy Spirit of truth. Notice, in the King James it says, How be it when He the Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. So what is truth? Truth is not a doctrine. I submit to you, truth is not a man's idea. Amen. Truth is not... <laughs> It's not something that you can really come to understand unless you know that truth is a person. I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth. You shall know the truth. How do you know that truth? You got to know him. You'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Then he takes it a a clearer statement in verse 36. He said, whoever the son sets free is free indeed. But what does that mean to the Western church? What does that mean? Does that mean that we come every Sunday to get a list of rules that we need to keep in order to... And I'm telling you, everybody struggles with with how God sees us. And we've been taught that we've been separated, that God is distant, distal. The word distal. Proximal is what he really is. That means he's in close proximity to us. But we've been taught he's distal and you got to keep certain rules if you want to get closer to him. He's the very breath I breathe. He's the breath you breathe. Think about the electrical charge in your heart in the top part of the ventricles that fire every moment to cause blood to pump through your body that makes that muscle contract. Where does that charge come from? Mine's been charging for... 68 years. I plan on being here another 30 if the Lord tarries. So I can walk into this understanding and this knowledge and relationship with Him. So I can learn more about Him. Now don't beat yourself up if you don't feel like you've advanced any further than you have because you're okay where you are. He'll meet you exactly where you are. Now hang with me. I'm going to send you the Spirit of Truth. He'll be a friend just like me. Now, I could talk about covenant here because covenant is not a contract. A contract is something that's legally binding. A covenant brings us into this family. Now, he said, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He'll never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. There's that word, unosco. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. I want to take you a little deeper. And I can give you scripture. When Jesus comes 
as God in the flesh into our darkness. Do you know that he lived as the son of man? He died. When he died, he died as you and me. When he was buried, he was buried as you and me. When he rose, he was raised as you and me. When he ascended and sat down to the right hand of the Father, he's there as us. We are in him. Let me give you scripture for that. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. When? When he was crucified. Nevertheless, I'm living, but it's not me living. It's Christ living in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's not my faith. That's what he believes about you. Oh, yeah, yeah. One thing that he has to work through is a broken identity. Because we think of ourselves in a certain way and, and, and our experiences are our failures. Those moments when we missed God. Over and over and over in our humanity. He was right there in the middle of your darkness. He never moved one inch. Come on, somebody. I want, I want to show you something. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, all of you are going to leave me. Remember, he's going to the cross. Every one of you are going to leave me. You're going to forsake me. But my father is always with me. So where was God when he was on the cross? It was God in Christ reconciling the world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.19, it was God in Christ who came into our darkness reconciling the world unto ourselves. Uh, where was the Holy Spirit? He was not off of, over there wringing his hands. He was there. Father, Son, and Spirit reconciling the world. I'm telling you, there's a wholeness and a healing that will come to us that is, that is uh, it's epic. It's amazing. When you begin to realize who is in you, who is with you, and who is teaching you, who is showing you the way. Ooh, the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter into the perfect day. Well, how can I be righteous? Well, he said you are. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made to be sin for us. He died as me, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. When does that happen? Not when you get it right. It's when you believe that you are in right standing with God. It changes, a, a radical change in the way you think will change, radically change the way you behave. And knowing him and the power of his resurrection, Paul said that I might know him, Kenosko, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, not being conformable unto, uh, unto the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Okay, hang with me. Let's go back to the note. This, I made some notes, but somebody told me I could start a good fire with paper. So I'm fanning the flame, okay? <laughs> Truth is not a doctrine. It's not a religion. Do you know denominations are created because of differences in opinion? If you don't believe this, you have to stay over there. Because I believe different. If you believe what I believe, we can go to church together. That's wrong. That is wrong. And I got friends in every denomination you can think about. It's about a family. Truth is not a, doc it's not a religion. It's not an idea. 
it's a person. John chapter 1. Here we go. John gave us a picture. Now, I want to I present to you the fact that John's gospel is probably the oldest gospel. It was the last one written. Because he's the last apostle to die. And he writes, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. That word with is pros. He's face to face with the Father. Face to fa- He's with, face to face. That's relationship. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made. Who? Jesus. That was made in Him was life. Zoe. That's the God kind of life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. What light? Isaiah's almost like he's standing at the manger when he says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Of his government will be on his shoulders. And Isaiah also says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. They that sat in darkness have seen a great light. Why? Because he came into your darkness. I want to tell you how I counsel the guys at Turning Point. There's, I get five every week, and most of the time there's others in the course of my time there, but it's always a moment when I tell them what you do does not define who you are. Come on now. Tell them again. What you do only implicates who you, what you believe you are. Jesus. If you believe you're an addict, you're going to act like one. If you're, come on. For as many as believed on them, to them gave he the right to become the sons. That's, that, that's all inclusive of God. If you believe you're a son and he's with you, he's going to teach you. He's going to show you. I've asked the Holy Spirit. I said, teach me what it means to operate in the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Teach me what it means Christ and me, the hope of glory. It was God in Christ reconciling the world. But Paul said in Colossians 1, 27, he said, now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at your neighbor and tell them, do you know who's sitting by you? You're not by yourself. It's not just you. Anybody ever ask God, where, where, where are you? Oh, yeah, coming home with you. Because I've asked that same question. Let's go back to the Old Testament. At the tree, God put the knowledge of the tree of good and evil in the garden, in the pristine garden, because he was love. And the only way he could express that love to his Creation was to give them choice. He said, in the day you eat that tree, you can have anything you want. There's, there's everything that you could ever imagine and nothing that you could ever lack except one thing. Let me tell you what they lacked. And that's the target of the enemy. One thing... They were not independent. They were dependent upon the Creator, the Father. Totally dependent. That's what that choice was about. That's what love does. I'm everything you need. There's nothing else that I'm withholding from you. You have no lack. Come on, let me give you that that picture of the can I give you that picture of the essence of God? You've heard me say it so many times. Psalm 3410, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Psalm 8411, this has a whole new meaning to me. 
I'm telling you, it's, it's opening up like, like, like a beautiful artesian well because he said the Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. And I always struggle with that last part till I come to understand 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And he said in Psalm 103, 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. He forgives me of all my iniquities. He heals me of all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction and he crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. But he didn't stop there. If you go over to Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, if you be in limited evil, know how to give good things to your children. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good things to those who ask him. He didn't say, give good things to those who straighten their lives out and they walk the straight path. He said, ask him. Come on, you understand? I've I've been asking the Lord. I said, Lord, let me be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of you that I might know who you are, I am and who you created me to be so that my uh, your intention was always to include me. Do you know when they were at the mountain of Sinai? God invited everybody up to meet with him. He invited all of Israel. Come up, I want you to see me. I want you to meet with me. They said, no, let Moses go. We're afraid, fear. To believe something about the Father that is not true. That's how the priest came about. Moses. Everybody had the invitation. Moses comes out of the mountain with his face shining. When you see in the garden there at the tree, the question the serpent asked was not what you might think. Because he questioned the word of God. He began to point and accuse God. He's really lying. He's holding something back from you. They were, remember, they're dependent on him. That's the only thing. Their choice was to, and I'm telling you, it was, um, they had dominion over everything he created. Because he gave it to them. But the devil said, the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say that? Oh, oh, he's lying. He's withholding something. It's the I am not tree now because he says he knows in the day you eat this tree, you're going to have the knowledge of good and evil and you're going to be like him. Lies. The, the lie that people are believing today, they don't have to be dependent on God and they're the walking dead. Because God said on the day you eat that tree, you separate yourself and you become, you, you'll die. They didn't die physically. They were separated. But you understand that Jesus came to undo the undoing of Adam. He, he brought us back in to include us. He hung on a tree. It was at the tree where the devil defeated Adam. And Adam, uh, he, he committed high treason with the enemy of God and believed the lie that he was not who God said he was. That's what we struggle with. Religion will keep you in that brokenness, in that frame of mind. But I want to tell you about covenant. Covenant. Remember, Abraham was called the friend of God. You know why he's called the friend of God? Because they're in covenant. When you come into covenant with someone, he calls you, you become friends. More, that's, Jesus, remember when he told his disciples, I no longer call you servants. Because I call you now friends. Why? Because we're coming into covenant. 
Let me give you this picture. I hope you hang with me. This is, ooh. Abraham was called to come into covenant with the Father, with, with Jesus, with the Father. He, he comes and he says, I want you to take the animals of, of sacrifice and kill them and saw them in half. Lay one side on each side. So when people made covenant, they would pass between the two people and there'd always be a third witness. Somebody who was higher up. In a covenant, there would be a witness of somebody who could always ratify and confirm the covenant. But God, and when they passed through, they were making a statement that the only way this covenant can be broken is by death, and I'll become like this animal. Sawn asunder. Death would be the only way to break this covenant. So you could read the story. God calls Abraham to make covenant with him. But a fascinating part is during that covenant when Abraham had placed the sacrifice in place and it came time for them to walk between the pieces, the Bible says God called a, a deep sleep or trance to come upon Abraham after he'd driven away the buzzards that were trying to eat the sacrifice. And, and, and the darkness, you know what I believe? I believe that God wanted us to see the darkness of humanity. That even in our darkness, he's going to make covenant on our behalf. Because Abraham never walked between the pieces. He's over there asleep in a trance or whatever. So the Bible said in the New Testament, when God could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That means he didn't need another witness. So Jesus, whoo, you believe he was there? Yeah, Holy Spirit was there. Father, Son, and Spirit. Perichoresis, the circle of intimate love between one another. When we were created, it was not that God needed uh, somebody. They existed. Jesus has always been the eternal Son of God. There was never a moment when he started to exist. He's in the Father, the Father's in Him, the Holy Spirit is in them, and they're there in the, before the creation, before the universe. You know why you were born? Because love wanted you. Love didn't need any of us. Love wanted you to bring you into that circle. Totally giving themselves to you and me. Totally giving themselves to you and me. Abraham, God made covenant for him on his behalf brought him into the covenant without Abraham walking through the... You know why? Because he believed God. Yes. Fast forward to Calvary. They brought him before the tribunal. It was a night court before the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, which was illegal. By their own standard... They broke their own law because they so despised him. He really challenged them. They, they despised him because he's like 80 grit sandpaper to their religious ideas. <laughs> he would always hang out with tax collectors. They were hated. You know who Zacchaeus was? He was a chief tax collector. He's up in a sycamore. It's a fig tree. He climbs up in that fig tree to get a look at Jesus. But here's a beautiful picture because he's hated by all the religious people and hated by everybody that knew him. He's, he's an outcast, but Jesus walks over to the tree he's in and says, Hey, 
kid out of that tree. I'm having supper with you tonight. Whoa, that infuriated the Pharisees. What's he doing? He's eating with prostitutes and, and tax collectors and sinners. They called him a friend of publicans and sinners. There's that word again. Oh, he's my best friend. Because he moves us into a place where we're no longer titled. My, 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 let me under, this understanding of who he is has brought me an understanding of who I am. Now, it's changed my whole attitude, my whole direction. How I see you. I see him. I see you in the love dance of Father, Son, and Spirit. Come on. Because here's what, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, it was God in Christ reconciling. That means to bring back into favor. I quit praying for favor. I used to pray, Lord, just give me favor. He said, I can't give you something you already got. Come on, somebody. Ooh. Lord, just give me patience. No, that fruit's already in you. You just need to manifest that. When you see yourself in the light of the Father's heart, you'll be like Joe. You'll wait. You won't be over anxious. You won't have the mindset of the world that gets ticked off in long lines. Come on, somebody. Road rage. Road rage. What is that? Yeah, I, I do. I, the Lord's still working on me there. Especially if I'm, I don't, I don't get irate, but, but it's always amazing because I'll say, Lord, why are they driving so slow? He said, I love them. No matter how fast they're driving. So uh, I've had, I've told you the story of how that checkout uh, clerks will just be, ex they'll be so flustered because they've had to do this and do that. And when I get to the, the clerk, they'll always apologize and say, I'm so sorry you had to wait so long. And I said, it's okay because everybody's got to be somewhere. I just happen to be here today and it's okay. So Jesus, it's amazing. If you look at John 8, John 8 is so filled with beautiful revelation. It starts out, the Pharisees want to stone a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, the only one qualified kneels down and writes in the dirt. I think he's doodling. Come on, I know you've had those theologians, those experts in the Word that say he's writing their names. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> he's writing their sins. <laughs> Give me another break. I think he's doodling. That would infuriate them more than anything else is to see him playing in the sand. When they're so serious and they got rocks, they're ready to kill that woman. <laughs> And he looks up from his doodling. <laughs> he says, okay, the one of you that has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. He starts doodling again. <laughs> one by one, they drop their stones and they leave from the oldest to the youngest because they're convicted. And they know they're not qualified to pass judgment. And Jesus looks up and said, Where's your accusers? I don't have any, Lord. Well, you don't see one in me either. Go and be free from your sin. Go be free. Because she began to understand who she was in that moment. She saw herself in the... Okay, who, if Jesus, if God is in Christ, who else is there? And he's anointed with the Spirit. His Father, Son, and Spirit. Working together to bring human in their darkness to bring them to the light of who they are. John chapter 9, the blind man. They, they, they 
passed by a blind man and, and the disciples said, who sinned, him or his parents, that he's blind? Jesus said, neither one. This is not because of sin. It's a picture of the brokenness of man, but it, it, it's here for the glory of God. And Jesus does something absolutely off the chain. He spits in the dirt and he makes a mud pie and he anoints the eyes of the blind and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. My question's always been, how do you find that pool? He can't see. I think he found it because he'd been anointed. The pool of Siloam represents truth. He washes. When he gets to that pool and the Bible said he came seeing. The religious people got really upset. Because it's on the Sabbath. Come on, do you know Jesus in you is the Sabbath? It's not a day. It's a life. He's brought you into his Sabbath. You're always in the Sabbath. I believe that the Lord wants us to know something. And I, I prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me what, what I could never learn on my own or any other way, but through your teaching me. He's the Spirit of truth, right? Guess what? He will. It's okay to ask Him, do you really love me, Father? Yeah, He'll show you. It's okay to ask Him. I mean, if you had a dad that was there for you, and, and I could ask my dad most anything. It didn't change the way he felt about me. Guess what? I'll always be his son. For the next 2,000 years, I'll still be Junior Hoos's boy, right? <laughs> yep. Come on. Yep. Nothing will ever change that. Let me ask you, which family are you in? Through covenant, he's brought you into his family. It's not based upon whether we get it right or not. Come on, somebody. I, I've never been so frustrated and exalted. I had to get saved 10,000 times when I was a teenager because every Sunday I thought I was lost again. I didn't think Jesus was enough because I had no understanding. I saw myself in the light of judgment. Come on, somebody. I saw myself in the light of religious judgment. I didn't see myself in the light of a covenant-keeping God who brought me into the family of His own will, of His own choice. And, and, and He brought me into this place where I can live to the full and have a Zoe kind of life. Hallelujah. Woo. Let me see. Let me see. Hang with me. Where did I put it? There it is. Smile and tell your neighbor, said, I, I told you, you're going to be glad you sat by me today. Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, stand fast in the liberty and the freedom that Christ has made you free. Why? Because there were religious people trying to bring them back into the law, trying to get them to perform He said, oh, okay, i got to read it. What time is it? 12.04. We're still good. Where is it? Galatians 5.1. Let me go here. Hang with me. I'm going to find it. This is quicker than... Yeah. At last, we have freedom for Christ to set us free. We must always cherish the truth. There it is. That word truth is stand strong and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. How many know the enemy wants you to live in the past? He wants you to remember how you missed it. He wants to remind you. He's like the undertaker. He keeps digging up stuff that should be buried. <laughs> Come on, that's kind of reverse, isn't it? Right. 
I, Paul, tell you, they were trying to get them to go into circumcision, which was a sign of the covenant in the Old Testament. Jesus, he answered all of that. He fulfilled it. He said, if you want to be made right with God by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You've cut yourself off from Christ and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. But we have the true hope that comes from being made right with God. There's that word. And by the Spirit, we wait eagerly for this hope. When you're joined to the anointed one, circumcision, religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through love. Faith works by love. Before you were led astray, you were so faithful. Who's deceived you so that you've turned from what is right? The one who enfolded you into his grace is not being behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Don't you know? There's that word. Gnosis. That when you allow even a little lie, a little leaven, it can permeate your entire belief system. So I said, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would cancel every lie. That, that I may have, that I've tried to embrace, cancel every lie and fill it with truth so that I see myself like you see me. He said, deep in my heart, I have confidence that the Lord who lives in you. Now, remember, these people are trying to go in the opposite direction. But Paul said, I have confidence in the Lord who lives in you. will bring you back around to the truth. And I'm convinced that those who trouble you, whoever they think they are, will bear the penalty. Now, verse 13. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, just be free. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another for all the law of God can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you care and love yourself. Wow. Now, Isaiah 53. Let me take you there just for a minute. I'm getting close. It don't mean nothing, but I'm getting close, okay? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 53, who hath believed the report and to whom is the arm, the power of God revealed? It's revealed to those who believe the report. What does the report say? We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. Here's what we thought. I got to give you this. We thought God had to pour out his wrath on his son so he wouldn't pour it out on us. Mm -mm. No. It was God in the hands of angry sinners is the wrath of the people. Let me give you scripture for it. He said, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, but... In the King James, but is a conjunction. It means we're about to go in this direction. But that wasn't the case. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. What does that mean? That means he made covenant as me. For me. Abraham. God made covenant with Abraham. Father, Son, and Spirit. When he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Guess what? Jesus came into our darkness and experienced the wrath of our broken humanity, of our sin. So that he could bring us into this covenant. And this covenant means I'm family. Everything, all the benefits. Let me give you one more example. David made a covenant with Jonathan. Remember? Jonathan is a son of Saul. Jonathan and Saul are killed in an enemy attack. Philistines 
the nurse is carrying little five-year-old Mephibosheth and she drops him as she's running. And he becomes lame on both his feet. David becomes king. And he's there in the king's palace. And he says to Ziba, is there any left of the house of Saul that I can bless? Because I made covenant with Jonathan. And that covenant is still good. And I wanted, I'm in a position now. <laughs> he said, there's one over in Lodabar. You know what Lodabar means. If you look up the definition, it means place of no pasture. It means howling wilderness. There's so many who were in that place. But God is going to bring us to a radical understanding and open our eyes to truth. Because Mephibosheth is probably hiding in the shadows and he's just barely scraping by. But one day the king's chariots come to Lodabar looking for somebody to bless. Pastor Greg, looking for somebody to bring into covenant, to bring into family. I want you to notice something about Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. He came riding on the waves of glory, full of grace and truth. And he came into this world, into our darkness, looking for somebody he could bless and bring back into the covenant, bring from the brokenness of separation so that we realize that God never left us. He never abandoned us. God does not do abandonment. Listen to me now. He does not do abandonment. I mean, let me tell you, he won't, even in your children, those that are lost, my, my, I'm telling you, he don't do abandonment. He's still there. He's working on them. And I trust what he's doing. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. So he goes and, and he brings, I can see Mephibosheth, he's on his crutches, he's over there hiding in the, in the alleyway and, and, and the chariot drivers happens to spot him and he goes over to where he is and he says, you, you look like royalty. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you look like a child of a king. When he couldn't get himself in the chariot. Come on, I want you to be my Mephibosheth here. Come on, my brother. I love this man. He couldn't. Can he use this? Is it okay if he uses this? Here, Mephibosheth. Come on. there. I, I need a chariot, okay? Can I use your... He sent the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to who we are. Sit down in that chariot right there. You've been summoned to the palace of the king. I know you don't feel like it, but it's not about feeling. It's about the covenant that we made with your father. Come on. I want to take you. Mephibosheth, all the land. I'm going to give somebody to, you're not even going to have to. Come on. I want you to, we're taking you to the, you smell bread yet? You smell bread? (laughs) We go into the, we right past the king's kitchen. Plenty to eat. You never have to be hungry. Oh, there's the, there's the place where you get healed from all your infirmities. Oh, yeah. I know you got crippled feet right now, but I'm going to put you at the king's table. I'm going to put you at the king's table and you're going to sit at my table always. That's the place where your past is hidden, where your feet are going to be under my table. 
as long as they're under my table, nobody can call you cripple. <laughs> Ooh, nobody can call you <laughs> needy because you have everything that you need. And I'm bringing you to the, to the palace to sit you at the king's table, to dress you in king robes, to put somebody in charge of your stuff so that you have abundance and supply. Thank him, Mephibosheth, so that you never like, there's nothing you have to do to make that God's standard, to meet that standard because you're already there, son. You're already there. See yourself as deeply loved by Father, Son, and Spirit. And he's brought you into his covenant to show and express his love to you so that you can be a witness to the world who is in darkness. And he's sending you into that darkness now to be the light of the world. Come on, somebody. Give him a praise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and tell them no more crumbs. No. No. I want you to stand with me. Come in covenant. I'm in covenant. I'm in covenant. Let me brag on Jesus a little bit. You heard me talk about it, right? I mean, we're sitting here just having church and being family and enjoying the journey. And we get a phone call. Hey, we want to do TV at your church. Come on, look at your neighbor, and that sounds like the palace. I didn't make that happen. Covenant keeping God made that happen. You understand that God loves us, and he, he, everything He does and his, his expression of love, it doesn't mean if you don't have something that He don't love you. Because once you come into that knowledge of who you are, there will be no lack in your life. I mean, even though something might be missing and somebody else might look and say, you got a need. No, I don't have any needs. I'm wanted. Come on, I want my face to be on the poster. Come on, somebody. I just heard the Holy Spirit. I don't care if it's in the post office or at Walmart. I don't care. I want my face on a poster that says wanted. Come on, somebody. Woo! Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're wanted. Come on. Your, your face could be on that poster. Come on. You understand. He's circulating. Jesus is circulating posters through the power of the Holy Spirit. And on that poster, your picture's on there. And it says at the top, wanted. Hallelujah. You're wanted. Come on. You understand. He wants you. Yeah. No, no. Stop trying to measure up. Throw off the weight of yesterday's pain and failure. Come into that covenant of wholeness. I firmly believe that when we come, this is going to happen. I'm telling you, the whole, this is going to be amazing. You get ready. This revelation is going to be like lights. It's going to eliminate everything in our life that is contrary to the will of the Father. It don't mean we won't be able to express ourselves and enjoy the journey and be who He called us to be. It just means there's a wholeness. Now I know there's a book out. I'm not quoting this book. But I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say, it's time for you to live your best life now. Not when you get to heaven. Come on. It's time for you to live your best life now. Now, if you're struggling, if, if, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you in any area, I want you to know that it's not through following a list of protocol just believing 
when, when Paul and Silas were praising and the jailhouse rock happened and everybody's bands were loosed and the jailer was afraid they were going to escape, he knew his sentence would be death if they escaped. And Paul said, don't do yourself. He's about to kill himself. And Paul said, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. Who, who does that? Who, who causes people in prison to lose their chains and doors to open and they just hang around? If you know who you are, it don't matter where you are. And here's what the jailer did. He gave his own altar call. He said, what must I do to be saved? Sozo. To have welfare, be happy, blessed, fortunate, favored. What do I need to do? Paul just said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he didn't lead him in a sinner's prayer. Uh, that messes with religion. He didn't lead him through the steps. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. How many would say, Pastor, I want my best life now. I want you to pray for me that I'll see the Father in all of His glory. Yes, come on. Come on. Don't give up. Believe it on the altar. Give it to God. And Amen. Because God's working. He's Amen. working. Amen. 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 Let, me, let me tell you what that testimony is a testimony of Jesus. And the Bible said that's the spirit of prophecy. You know what she did? You know what you just did? You prophesied about everybody's children in this house. Because he's no respect of persons. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to turn their life around. Come on. You don't give up. Oh, so I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. How do you do that? I'm going to give you Paul's prescription. Ephesians 3.18. That you might know, Konosko, the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That you might know what is the depth, what is the breadth, what is the length, and what is the height. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish. Run wild with no restraint. Perish. My people perish for lack of knowledge. There's the measure. Then He said that you may be fit, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints the, the enormity of that love. I said, Lord, show me what that love looks like. Religion has painted a real obscure picture to me. And I'm scared of that God. Come on. I'm afraid of that God. 
that God who's schizophrenic, who might change and, and beat me to a pulp at a whim. No, he's not like that. He never changes. I said, show me that. And then he said this. He said, if you know that kind of love, you're going to be filled with the fullness of God. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be healed physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. You're going to, there's a wholeness that will come to you that you can sleep good at night. It's not connected to how many times you read your Bible. It's not connected to how many hours you commit to pray. Oh boy, it got quiet then. It's not, it's not connected to how spiritual you think you are. There's a rest. I'm telling you, this place is about to feel with, it's going to be like a fog. It's going to be like the glory. The glory of the Lord. Full of grace and truth. We beheld His glory. Lord, let us see Your glory. So I want you to lift your hands toward heaven. Father, right now we come before You, totally dependent upon You. Lord, we know Jesus came so that we could come back into that garden, into that place that You intended for us to be all along. In relation with You, to know You, in the depth of that love that you so desired to bring us in. That you would let us be destroyed and you would let us perish. So I give you praise for that, Lord. Now I ask you, God, to help us to walk in freedom. Freedom like we've never known. To walk in the wholeness and the freedom of who you created us to be. For we are in Christ and Christ is in us and we are in God. And the Holy Spirit is here to teach us what that means. Father, we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Woo! I felt a shift. I don't think I saw a hand that wasn't raised. I want to tell you that we're in this together. I love you dearly. I love you dearly. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Now we pray. Let us walk in the fellowship and the anointing that you created that you brought us into this wholeness through covenant. We're family, but we're not, we're, we're not just family. We're friends. And that means this covenant could never be broken. There's not even a word for breaking a covenant. Lord, I thank you, Father, that this covenant is true and it's for always and we're in it. And we thank you and give you glory in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. God bless you for hanging around with me. God bless you.